You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. Week 53. Or I guess week one of year two, but season two starts in two weeks, so we won't call it that. Another week of a nation on lockdown. Another week where the president is just unraveling. Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. You and I as citizens have the obligation to shape the debates of our time, not only with the votes we cast, but with the voices we lift. The people are looking for honest answers, not easy answers. The very word secrecy is repugnant. Clear leadership. And we are as a people. Not false claims and evasiveness and politics as usual. Opposed to secret society. But ours was a nation of the ballot, not the bullet. And a secret procedure. As a people, we cannot afford to let any group of citizens or any individual citizens live or labor under conditions which are injurious to the commonwealth. Black, white, Latino, Asian, Native American, young, old, gay, straight, men, women, folks with disabilities, all pledging allegiance under the same proud flag to this big, bold country that we love. That's what I see. That's the the America I know. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. There is nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured by what is right with America. So here we are, America. We're still at home. And we got a president who has been doing these daily propaganda slash therapy sessions with the nation. It's got to stop, right? I got a great show for you today. I've got former Senator Barbara Boxer from the great state of California joining me in a few minutes. And then after that, I'm going to talk a little bit about my Matt Gates fight that I had. Um, on Fox last week. A lot of you saw it. A lot of you reached out to me. Um, yeah, that guy's a tool. And I'll talk about how big of a tool he is on the other side of uh, the interview with uh, Senator Boxer. Uh, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's different than what you think I'm going to say, right? It's different than what you think I'm going to say. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But I, I want to just talk about where we are as a nation right now. Um. Obviously, the curve is flattening, and that's a good thing. And we should all be very help, hopeful that that we will find our way out of it soon. Now, I know that the president wants to find our way out of it sooner, or at least he wants to pretend it. See, this is what I think. And, you know, tweet at me, email me if you think that I'm wrong here. 
But I think this whole argument he's been having with himself, really, about how to reopen the country sooner rather than later is really just a setup. He knows that people like Governor Newsom and Governor Cuomo and Governor Murphy and Governor DeWine and maybe even some of the other Republican governors in this country, I mean, Governor Hogan, of course, they're going to they're going to balk if this president says at the end of April, all right, let's let's open up on May 10th. I, I mean, barring some miracle, I don't foresee us truly being open in May. June is a possibility, but I think most likely it's July. And even then, I mean, I don't know how we go back to business as usual until there's an actual vaccine for this thing. But what the president wants to do is set up a battle where he wanted to restart the economy, but the but the evil Democratic governors of New York and California didn't want to open up their states. And that's why you're all still unemployed now in November as I'm going for re-election. I mean, everything about this guy is a campaign speech. If you watched his briefing on Monday where he basically played a campaign at America, I mean, do we even have a Hatch Act anymore? Does the Hatch Act even exist anymore in this country? The Hatch Act, which bars people from utilizing federal property during for campaign purposes, campaigning while in a federal role, I mean, in the White House, basically running a campaign-style ad that starts the timeline in January, conveniently skips February, and then comes to us in March. By the way, skips the March 6th statement, where he said at the CDC, while wearing a MAGA hat, mind you, during a pandemic, March 6th, not too long ago, five weeks ago, wearing a MAGA hat at the CDC, the president said anybody who wants a test can get a test. So if any of your conservative friends ever say to you again, if you like your plan, you could keep your plan, tell them to go to hell, okay? First of all, that was a big ridiculous thing for them to hold on to because people's plans they couldn't get anymore were plans that didn't really give you health care. You had a card that said you had health care and maybe if you, you know, something catastrophic happened, you got some hospital bills paid, but it didn't give you checkups. It didn't do the things you're supposed to get in health care. No, this president said five weeks ago, if anybody who wants a test can get a test. That wasn't in the video he played at the White House on Monday. Because you still can't get a test. And the only way this country is going to open up again is if everybody could get tested quickly and know immediately within minutes, not hours or days or even you know weeks in some cases, whether or not they have coronavirus. My dad had it. My dad had coronavirus. He's recovered from it. Thank God. But it took him a week to get a test. And then it took him five days to find out the results. By the time he got the results, he had recovered. Anybody who wants a test can get a test. That's what the president said. We should call him out on that every single day. You know, this whole I am a wartime president thing. He, You know, he's of two minds. I'm a wartime president because he thinks that sounds cool. And it gets his MAGA people, you know, excited. But then, you know, wartime presidents, I think of wartime as a unified effort. I don't think FDR, you know, called uh, the governors of the various states and said, you know what? You guys figure out how to fight the Axis powers on your own. 
Okay, you guys build your own tanks and your own airplanes and your own armies and you go fight the Axis powers by yourself. That's, you know, if if you really want to talk about a wartime effort, it's a unified effort where the president of the United States is marshalling industry to get the materials that the states or the materials needed to fight the war effort. In this case, the states need masks and masks and gowns and gloves and ventilators hospital rooms. And and look, I'm not saying that the federal government has done nothing here. Clearly, you know, the help of of the the Navy ship Mercy and uh, and comfort and the beds that were built, the hospital beds that were built by the Army Corps of Engineers are good things. But when the president says, you know, what's going on with these masks? They're going out the back door. Why didn't the governors stock up? I mean, it's just abdicating his responsibility as a leader. And, you know, and every time I hear Mike Pence, you know, God, I can't stand Mike Pence. I really can't stand him. I'd rather have him be his president right now, though. I'll tell you that right now. As much as I can't stand Mike Pence, I'd rather I'd rather him be president than this guy. But when he says this is a wartime president, he says it all the time at these briefings just to kind of pump Trump up. Mike Pence is clinging on to that VP spot with everything he's got. By the way, he won't be the VP. Write it down. I ask, I mean, wartime presidents, they lead a wartime effort. You know, one more thing I want to talk about before I get to Barbara Boxer. And then uh, again, stick around. I'm going to talk about my Matt Gates uh, takedown, I guess you'll call it. I don't know. I mean, um, once I called it uh, Matt Gates brutally taken down on Fox News by me. Um, Matt Gates, by the way, had a different take on it, but we'll talk about that in a minute. All these years since Obamacare, I've heard time and time again from conservative after conservative, medical decisions should be between a patient and their doctor, not the government, which, by the way, under Obamacare, medical decisions are between a patient and their doctor, not in the government. But whatever, they they lie about that like they lie about everything else. Now I got a president of the United States from the White House podium almost every single day talking about a drug that he thinks is going to work. And I hear all of his clones in the conservative media, people who used to have different ideas about trade, about taxes, about debt, echoing everything this guy has said time and time and time again. I mean, you didn't want us to have the government say that healthcare plans, which are not patient doctor things, they are between HMOs and, you know, insurance companies and people, like you can negotiate with your insurance company, where the federal government was making certain requirements for mandatory coverage in your healthcare plans. You didn't want that. You didn't want coverage for people with pre-existing conditions. You didn't want any of that. But now it's okay for the president of the United States to like give prescription advice. I mean, you're going to take prescription advice from an economics major who went bankrupt six times. Think about that for a minute. President Trump isn't even good at what he went to college for. He's not good at being president. And he now wants to give you medical advice. What medical degree does he have? Why? Because a couple of people are telling him stories about it. Or as the New York Times pointed out, He has an investment in a company that deals with it. I don't know if you want to be taking medical advice from the president of the United States. And for all you conservatives out there 
who for years have told me that government shouldn't be involved in healthcare in any way, shape, or form, who are now praising the president's decision to advocate for a specific drug, which I won't mention here. You all know what it is. I mean, give me a break. You're a bunch of hypocrites. And I, I just can't stand that. I hate hypocrisy more than anything else. And the Republican Party is nothing but hypocrites. You're going to tell me that this is okay? That the president giving medical advice is okay by you? That is ridiculous. It is a ridiculous thing. He is a ridiculous president. And the Republican Party is going to have to go through a wholesale change before this is all over. I I promise you that they will. You know, today's show is brought to you by Warby Parker. Friends of the pod, if you go to warbyparkertrial.com slash Han and get a free five-day at-home trial, five pairs, five days, no risk, go to warbyparkertrial.com slash Han. You get the glasses at your home, right? And Warby Parker's glasses, I, I, I guess I should be putting in what they do here. Warby Parker sells the finest prescription glasses, okay? Now, look. You're not going to go out to a store and buy glasses right now. So if you need glasses, go to warbyparkertrial.com slash Han. Put in your prescription. They send you five pairs of your choice. They've got dozens of styles to choose from, and they're all awesome. You try them out in the comfort of your own home. You try them on. You see how your family thinks about uh, what, you're, what you're wearing. You put on different outfits. You go to a mirror that you trust in your house, and you might like it. And for every pair you buy, they are going to donate a pair to somebody in need. And going through what we're going through right now, there are going to be a lot of people in need. So America, go to warbyparkertrial.com slash Han for your free five-day, five-pair try-on deal at home. Warbyparkertrial.com warbyparkertrial.com slash Han. See how little editing I do? I mean, you even get the mistakes in my ad reads. (laughs) So it is kind of amazing what's going on. And I'm really happy to have uh, former Senator Barbara Boxer joining me on the other side here. She, you know, look, she spent her whole life in government. She's got a lot of interesting things to say, and we touch on a lot of things here. So stick around. I'll be right back. Hey, America, Christopher Hahn here, the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. What is with the president and the right-wing echo chamber encouraging these astroturf protests against stay-at-home orders around the country? It's ridiculous, and it needs to stop. Check out the Aggressive Progressive Podcast wherever you download podcasts. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, COVID continues to reshape the law. Supreme Court arguments will be held by teleconference. The justices won't even know if the lawyers are wearing pants, which is fair given the eternal mystery of what's under those black robes. Los Angeles County is springing 25% of its inmates. The sheriff suggests folks get ready for what might be a spike in crime. Check it all out on the next episode of Too Many Lawyers. Former Senator Barbara Boxer of California, how are you tonight? Well, absolutely fine. And uh, here in, in California, I have to say our governor, our local people really got ahead of everything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, started to shut down very quickly. And uh, it looks as if, you know, it's it's tough. Yeah. But it, it's better than we thought at this point. Yeah, I mean, we're all really, you know, 
staying in. Yeah, it, it. it does seem like the, the measures that they took out there in California are really paying off in in, in big ways, right? I yeah. mean, the, the curve is flattened there for sure uh, to the point where they're sending respirators to New York, and we really appreciate that here in New York. Yes, uh, Governor Newsom has been very strong, and he sent them to, I think, five states, five hot spots or so. Yeah. And um, it's because we really... Um, you know, we, we hunkered down pretty quickly, and I don't know. It, we're fortunate. I guess in many ways, you know, for us hunkering down, it's a warmer climate. It's a little easier to do. You know what I mean? Yep, yep. If you go outside a couple times a day, you can count on that. So it's, But it's still, it's rough, I yeah. mean, the economy, and and people are so discombobulated and missing their friends and their families like everyone all over the country. Yeah. Yeah. I know that for sure. Uh, here in New York, I mean, I, I'm in the New York area. I'm in, I'm out in Suffolk County, which if it was a state would be like third in the nation in, in, in wow. cases right now. It's, it's amazing how, Whoa. how bad it is out here and everybody's concerned and everybody knows somebody who has it or even passed mm. from it. So it's, it's been a scary time out here, uh, but you know, let's talk about leadership in a crisis. Cause you Senator, you've served a lot of people over yes. the years. Um, Five I, presidents. Yes. Three Republicans, starting with Ronald Reagan, two Democrats. Yes. So, I mean, you've seen them through crisis. Now, granted, this is a unique crisis that hasn't existed since the 1918s, right? The 19-teens. Uh, but it's still a crisis, and we've seen leadership in crisis before. And I just want to get your take and your critique of the president uh, and, and major governors like Cuomo and, 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 mm-hmm. and Newsom uh, during this crisis, and what you, what yeah. your take is on it? Listen, I was dreading a crisis under the Trump administration for this reason. Um, I believe that he is a clinical narcissist. It, he doesn't have compassion. He doesn't really understand history or even what this job is. That's my view. Now, there are a lot of psychiatrists who have put together a book saying you know, this is true, that he's got all the signs, and I would urge your listeners, if they want to do something interesting in their spare time, look at the definition of a clinical narcissist put Mm. out by the American Psychiatric Association. There are nine signs. So I dreaded something like this uh, because I thought, this is the time when you need a leader who has compassion, who understands things, who... um, who can wrap their arms around this and lay it out, and also who knows how to govern, Yeah, knows how to say, this is my coronavirus R. Right. This is where the buck stops. Right. And under him, this is the guy in charge with the face mask. This is the woman who's in charge of the gowns to get for our uh, first responders and our incredible nurses and doctors, and so on and so on, and ventilators, so that you know... Where the buck stops, you right. know, uh, Harry Truman, when he was president, his famous line was, the buck stops here. Right. He took responsibility. He didn't say the buck stops. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's not my fault. No, it's not my fault. It's the governors. Governors are doing a bad job. I, I mean, well, I mean, responsibility I mean, is the first thing a leader should be taking is responsibility. Oh, listen, and I want to give you a bipartisan example of this. OK, when after 9-11, it, as you know. It was, it, your heart was on the floor. Yeah. You're, you couldn't stop crying. It was 
it was the most horrible thing, and George Bush did not say to the mayor, to the to the governor of of uh, of New York. Well, you know, the plane hit the World Trade Center, so governor, you're in charge. Right, right. That that's crazy. George W. Bush, who I did not agree with on the Iraq War and several other things, he stepped up, took responsibility. He there, yeah. He said, "I'm the one." Yes, and he handled it. Then you had Barack Obama during the Great Recession, where I'll never forget seeing hundreds of thousands of jobs disappear every month. Yep. Again, my heart was in my mouth. I was there. I saw it. He didn't say, well, you know, the worst recession has hit Arizona, California, because we did have certain states that just were flat out because it was, you know, the, it was a crash of the real estate market, as you remember. Yep. And everybody losing their homes and their mortgages and all the bankruptcies of this. He didn't say, well, I'm going to give this to the to the governors of the most affected states. Right. Barack Obama took control, and he and he did the same thing in the Ebola crisis, yep. where he had Vice President Biden and Ron Klain. They the buck stopped with them. Yep. So you get my point. Oh, I totally this get your a point. Failure of leadership here because he's. A, I'll tell you why. Because he's a coward. He's afraid what is happening. He can't. No one can control it. Nobody and can. He's afraid of it, and he's afraid of the economy and all his friends. You know who are uh, who are having trouble with the economy. Listen, we'll get back on our feet once we get healthy. That's the fact. So we need to have patience. He doesn't have patience. No, and none. These are the things you know that you need um, in a crisis. You need leadership. You need someone to take responsibility. You need patience. You need to explain things and not turn these press conferences into, you know, rallies. That's, yeah. And, and it's the people are beginning to get annoyed with it, I think. I hope so, because yeah. I you watched it. I can't watch them anymore. I just can't. I, I, I read the transcripts, uh, and I watched it yesterday for a little while, and I find myself yelling at the television, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't need this anymore. And my wife's like, you got to go on TV and talk about it in, like, 20 minutes. You got to watch it. I'm like can't watch it i just can't watch it i know i know what he's saying i know what he's doing the guy is is deflecting to people i it it drives me nuts worse than that how about pushing certain drugs that are unproven i know this is frightening now maybe i'm old-fashioned but i don't want a politician telling me what drugs right when i'm sick i want the leading doctors in the in in the country and and so to get up there and start to push different drugs and say Try this. Try. I don't even want to put out the names of the drugs. Zinc. And, and, like, and, what is he and, doing? He's talking about zinc. And I know, I know a friend who lost someone she loves dearly, and the person tried one of those drugs and did nothing. Yeah, yeah. So that's just anecdotal. But and you know, we praise right. Look, we're going to get a cure. We're going to get a treatment. We're going to get a vaccine. Right. No question. We're going to. But he is impatient, and and so when you watch him, you get impatient. Oh, totally. Like, you know what I mean? It's just this is the moment when we have to say, um, you know, it, in the olden days in France, they would always take August off, and just the whole month. Yep. And it, really, the country kind of shut down. Um, I don't know if they still do that. I mean, when I was young, uh, that's what my mother used to say. In France, they just take the whole month of August off. 
sometimes if you have to approach it that we have to take a time uncertain off yep. and we'll be back. We will but be back. All right. We're not going to uh, do it too soon. We're going to do it when the doctors say. We're going to let the doctors say. Exactly. All right. I got to take a moment off, certainly. All right. No break for you, podcast land. Here's part two of my interview with former Senator Barbara Boxer of California. So, Senator, um, you know, I got to talk to you about the job that's being done by uh, my governor, Andrew Cuomo, and your governor, Gavin Newsom, who are really displaying bold leadership in a time of crisis as compared to this train wreck that we watch every night at like 630 with this president. Well, the first thing I want to say is I'm sure they were caught totally off guard because they were used to Barack Obama during a crisis. They were used to W uh, during a crisis. And and even before that, other presidents that knew what they were doing. So, So I have to say, in light of the fact that this was literally dumped on them, okay? Dumped on them. Because this White House did away with the pandemic office that was set up by Barack Obama. They knew about this thing maybe even as early as November. Yep. And nothing was shared with these governors. And guess what? They had to deal with it. And the first thing they dealt with, which was so smart, both of them is, what's the worst-case scenario? What's the worst-case scenario that we have to prepare for? And they had the numbers, and they saw it, and they realized how many beds do they need, how many ventilators, yep. how many masks do they need. They did what you expect a leader to do, prepare for the worst and work for the best. And I'm so proud of both of them. And I have to say, with Andrew Cuomo, who got hit way harder, and the word is a lot of these cases came from Europe. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, you know, before people really were aware of it, um, you know, he 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 is in the hot spot and in the hot seat, and he is being honest about it. He is being clear about it. I am so impressed. Yeah. And I followed him since he was in, uh, I think it was Clinton's cabinet. Yeah. He was the HUD secretary. And when he goes on his brother's uh CNN show. That is it's must see TV. So special. Yeah, it's so special, and it just brings it home. And so I am super impressed with Gavin Newsom. What I, you know, again caught off guard, and then saying, you know what? If this is what Trump wants, I'm going to use my buying power as we'd be the fifth largest nation right. in the world if you look at our GDP. And he got these contracts. To buy all this equipment, spending a billion dollars, I yep, think it is. Yep. And he says, and I'm getting it. And if this, he doesn't say this, but I'm saying it. If this president doesn't give a damn about what's going on and getting people what they need, I'm going to do it. Right. And he's doing it. And right. it's extraordinary to watch these two guys, you know, really step up and fill the void. You know, and there are others. There are a couple of Republican governors. Yep. Who. You know, Larry Hogan, there's Mike DeWine, who I never agreed with on one thing when he was in the Senate. But he has stepped up. And He's leading. Trump, Trump He's... was just saying, oh, you know, I, I, we're all standing here. I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not doing this. Right. I'm not doing that. He is leading, by example, DeWine, as is Hogan, as is Newsom, as is Cuomo, as is the governor of Michigan and on and on. Yeah. And the mayor of Chicago. And it just, 
it is stunning to see them step up because it's really, honest to God, not in their job description. Yeah. And when it... you have a national crisis, it's the president who leaves. This guy is a coward. He's scared, and he wants someone to blame. Yep. So he'll be able to say, oh, those governors failed. In your in your long career in national politics, have you ever seen a national leader, you know, basically berate governors who are trying to save the lives of their constituents like this president has done to particularly Gretchen Whitmer of of, uh, Michigan, who I think is a rising star in the party? Oh, she certainly is. I have never seen a president like this. I have never seen any any government leader like this like he is. I have never seen them. They are, he is so unaware of what it means to be a leader. He's a kind of a snake oil salesman yeah. standing up and pushing, pushing people to buy drugs. Are you kidding me? It's amazing. He's, uh, he's, 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 he's deflecting blame all over the place. And it's, and look what he's doing. He's, he's firing all these inspectors general, some of whom he appointed. Yeah. And he's because he, he doesn't want anyone looking at what he is doing, because I could tell you right now uh, what he is doing, it seems to me, is slipshod and it is also rewarding his friends. I, it is just absolutely breaking my heart. But we have a time that's coming soon to make these changes. And God willing, the election is coming. And we can have a new leader and Joe Biden, who I've known forever. Yep. You cannot have a more compassionate man. Yep. You cannot have someone who has bounced back from tragedy. He he wasn't born with a silver spoon in his mouth like this guy. Yep. Who managed to go bankrupt a million times, uh, Trump. Uh, a million is too many. I think it was seven. It was seven uh, or eight, yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> so it... it it's just um, it's just a moment, an opportunity. Here's and, how you know Joe yeah. Biden's a great guy. The president and Joe Biden had a conversation on the phone last week, or earlier this week, and yeah. the president has not said a bad word about him since. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's the kind of engaging, nice guy he is. Now, his surrogates are out there still, you know, with the nonsense dementia stuff, which I really want to really tamp down as best I can uh, yeah. over the next couple of weeks. Um uh, but uh, but clearly, Joe Biden made an impact on the president to the point where the president has stopped personally attacking yeah. him. Yeah, it's it, it, Joe. Joe is the kind. Of, I want to tell you something. You you work for a senator. I I sat in the cloakroom, which, for the benefit of your listeners, is a place where senators will go um, and House members have their own uh, to chat and talk and maybe visit for a minute if yep. there's a lull between votes and so on. I have seen Joe Biden literally hold hold members, senators, by the hand, put his arm around their shoulder as they were having to deal with cancer. Yeah. From a family member, I have had I, illness, a wife or child. He has gone through hell in his life. Yep. And he always bounces back because he knows he's here for a reason. He's very spiritual in that sense. He is such a good person. You cannot have a difference in character between no. the two. And what's interesting is, as Bernie has dropped out and the press has asked me, 
well, what do you think is going to happen? Is it going to be like it was with Hillary? I said no, and no there's way. several reasons why. But one of them is the chemistry between Bernie and Joe, because Joe is the most accepting person. He's just a nice guy. He's a nice person. He doesn't. He thinks the best of everybody, not the worst, and he wants to lift people up. All right, Senator, hold that thought. I'm going to take another quick break. I'm going to come back. We're going to talk a little politics. And we're also going to talk about vote by mail, which is something I think we badly need. That's right. It's a rare three-part interview because I just I could talk to her all day. Here's part three of my interview with former Senator Barbara Boxer. Senator, I, I got to talk about how the president has been demonizing vote by mail in these press conferences. And I've been of the view that conservatives want to do everything they can to have as few people as possible vote. But I think it's going to backfire on them this year because a lot of people that are going to be afraid to vote are people who are most vulnerable to this disease. What, what is your thought? First, let me talk about vote by mail. And let me assume for just a moment that everybody thinks voting is important. Let, let's just make that assumption that everyone understands that's why we have democracy. Yes. And that the more people vote, the better we are. That is to me, a value. Supporting democracy and voting is a value. Now, one of the best ways to exercise your vote is by mail. And there are a couple of states that only do vote by mail. Why is that? Because it's very simple. It's very easy. It's very safe. And it's there's no fraud involved that I have ever seen except once in a Republican election right. where some guy was collecting people's ballots or something. But it's never really happened. And and the fact that Donald Trump goes after it, there's only one reason. He votes by mail. Right. He votes by mail. He votes by mail, but yet he's, he, he had to be reminded of that, assuming he votes. Right. Um, and then, but it's not good for anyone else because he's such a he is such a, a paragon of virtue yeah, yeah. that he, only he, can fix it. Only and he. only he can vote by mail. No, anyone should be able to. And there are other ways to do it. There's also ways where that I've seen them do it in Washington State, where you get your vote, uh, you get your ballot. If you don't put it in the mailbox, there's a way to drop it off at a, these different stations they have all over. Right. And it's put right into a ballot and it's it's so safe in light of this virus. It's it's so important. What I'm hoping is in this next bailout package that the Democrats will say we're all for this, but we also want to make sure that we are helping the states get into place a vote by mail system. And I think the Democrats should play hardball. I don't understand why they didn't do that in the last bill. I, I well, I'm... I I do. I understand it. I think they got a heck of a lot in. And Chuck and Nancy really worked together, did a terrific job. They got, they turned a terrible bill that was about, you know, only helping those at the top to helping workers. And they really got a lot done. And they increased unemployment insurance, et cetera, et cetera. Lots of good things. And really helped the small businesses that need it, not just this big slush fund for the great big business. So there's just a point. And they did get some money in there for helping states with elections. Let's be clear. Yep. They did. But they didn't get this vote by mail. So so let me give your listeners a sense of the way the pulse of things, you know, you, you can't get 
everything you want. Right. Once. But now they've got more leverage because more is coming. And the reason more is coming is we need it because the small businesses are, are just in so much trouble. Oh, horrible. We have to save them. We have to save the people who work for them. Yep. And, um, and also a lot of nonprofits that are in big trouble. Big time. So, yeah. so everyone's going to come to the table, and that's going to be great. And I think that the Democrats will play hardball in terms of saying, we got to get ready for this election because what happened in this last Wisconsin oh, election? I have. I'm on in. I'm on in the entire state of Wisconsin. I'm on in four stations oh, in Wisconsin. Wow. So I mean, I know a lot of my listeners out there were put in this terrible position of having to, you know, whether or not they want to risk their health or exercise their right to vote. Uh, it's disgusting to me what the Republicans in that legislature did in, in, it in was. Wisconsin. And by the way, the ask was so easy. Just give us another couple of months so we can finish this voting in the right way. Yep. And and how about the US Supreme Court didn't allow it? Amazing. That you know, their Supreme Court they, I mean, this is not good. That's why when I when I talk about where our country's at, can't we just agree on certain values? Yeah. That the right to vote people have died for it? Uh, amazing to me. I think there's a reckoning coming, Senator. I think that I there's there's going to be a wave that is is going to be similar to the Great Depression, frankly. Yeah, it could well be. First of all, people now know why we have a government, you know? Yep. And when they see people like Andrew Cuomo, to get it back to your other questions, and people like uh, Gavin and and people like Whitmer, they see leaders like uh, Mayor Lightfoot in Chicago and others, they begin to understand, um, they begin to understand what leadership really is it's pretty straightforward. You want someone who cares about the people, doesn't care about themselves, care about the people. The people, the people, the people. Yep. And if the government works for the people, the leaders will be rewarded and get reelected. And if all the leaders care about is themselves and they're scared because they don't want to have to take the blame, they don't know how to show compassion and caring or understanding for working people and yep. the rest, they're not going to be rewarded. I, I think it's true. And that's why we have to fight for um, the right to vote in, in a meaningful way and not put people's lives at risk, for God's sake. It's got to be easy. It's got to be convenient. And it's got to yeah. be safe. And, and frankly, look, there's going to be a very stark choice this November. There's one party that thinks that government should be abolished and one government, one party that thinks that government can help solve problems. And yeah, if we're if, if you believe that you need a government to solve problems, which I think most Americans are going to believe right now, there's only one choice, and it's not Republican. You're right. And, and here, but here's the fascinating thing. I was there for the stimulus bill when Obama was president in 08. And I can tell you right now, I don't know where you were at that time, but I can tell you at that time, as we were doing the stimulus bill, we had to beg to get three Republicans to yeah. support us. Yeah. And we got just 60 votes. Why? Because Obama was president. So now, and they kept yelling, deficit, deficit, yep. deficit. Yep. Now they don't yeah, care. Yeah, they don't care about the deficit They're now. This is the, the biggest money. deficit we've ever had. <laughs> it's, 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 it's out of control. And I'm just saying, if, if, if they were really deficit hawks, they would say, this is the time to, yes, Stimulate this economy. The Democrats are our partners. Everyone's working on it. But let's make sure after this is over, we go back and not 
and take away those tax breaks yeah. to billionaires and millionaires yeah. who don't need it. They, the deficit was out of control before this crisis. So, Bingo. look, they're hypocrites about it, and it's just Bingo. ridiculous. All right, Senator, I'm out of time with you. This has been fantastic. It goes by way too quick. I hope you uh-huh. come back again in the future. Of Where course. can people find you if they want to if they want to learn more about you? Oh, it's pretty easy. They just go to at Barbara Boxer. I'm, I'm all over Twitter. There you go. Former Senator Barbara Boxer from the great state of California. Thank you so much for joining me. Isn't she great? I, I mean, I could talk to her all night. You know, I have, if the edits seem rough, you know, I'm a former Senate staffer and I have a hard time cutting off a senator. Sorry. It <laughs> just, you know, some, some habits never die, right? You don't want to cut them off, at least in public. When you're in private meetings with them, they they value the truth. At least my senator did, and I'm sure Senator Boxer did as well. I actually got to meet her a couple times when I was a Senate staffer, and uh, she was always very, very gracious. So I really do appreciate her coming on the show and everything she's done for America. And, you know, I recorded that interview uh, for my radio show, which is uh, live on Thursday nights, and there's going to be some big announcements on my radio front very soon. Uh, I've been doing some stuff at WABC in New York, and it's going to really change my, uh, hopefully it's going to change my syndication, and you're going to hear more of me in more places around the country. I'll still be doing this podcast, because I enjoy it. I do it in my house. I edit it myself. I mean, not the, you know, the radio stuff is edited by somebody else in that studio, but I got to cut it up and put it in here. I got to get out all the, you know, music that I'm not allowed to put on my podcast. So, um... I recorded that on Thursday night, and then I came home, and I did Fox News at about 10.30 that night, 10.20, and I was on with Matt Gates, a Republican congressman from the state of Florida. Now, you know, first thought is, why would a sitting member of Congress ever go on national television to debate me or anybody like me, frankly? I mean, why would you put yourself in that situation when you're debating a pundit who, you know, they're not there to solve the congressional problems with you, sir? I mean, especially if you're a guy like Matt Gates, who's like just a tool who, you know, four weeks ago wore a gas mask, five weeks ago, I guess now, wore a gas mask on the floor of the House as they were considering the original COVID-19 response bill that was to help, you know, get the supplies that hospitals and states needed to fight the virus. He wore a gas mask to make fun of the over what he called the overreaction to this crisis. Because, you know, two days before, a week before, Donald Trump said this is the latest Democratic hoax trying to destroy him again because everything's about him. So, of course, in his first chance to be held accountable since then, I'm going to hold him accountable. And I did. I brought it up and it went viral. And I wanted to know if Matt Gates was going to lend that gas mask to his constituents so they could go to vote. We were out there talking about vote by mail, which I've talked about many times on this program. You know how I feel. I think we've got to have an election in November and I think everybody's going to have, an, have to have an opportunity to vote. And whether states want to have automatic absentee ballot or no excuse absentee balloting. And we got to encourage people to go get it one more step because Republicans don't want you to vote. There's got to be a way vote by mail. And Matt Gates was, you know, being Matt Gates. The funny thing is, is the Rolling Stone, Raw Story, Mediaite, 
Newsweek, the Young Turks, countless other places talked about this debate and how Matt Gates got embarrassed. And you should go to my Twitter feed at Christopher Hahn. You know, it's there or just Google Chris Hahn and Matt Gates. You'll you'll see this clip if you haven't seen it by now. And by the way, if you're a follower of mine on this show, I, I would be shocked if you haven't seen it, but you would enjoy it. <laughs> if you like me and you don't like Matt Gates, you'll enjoy it. But Matt Gates, after seeing all of these headlines about how he got pounced on Fox News, he puts out this clip and says, Matt Gates takes down liberal something or I mean he he tried to make it like he got the best of me, which is just not not the case, man. I'm not running for Congress. I'm not a member of Congress. I did my job. I went out there and I had some good television, right? I got some additional attention. I don't understand how attention-starved a member of Congress has to be to go into the arena with me. And by the way, Matt, you know, you kind of could have saw that coming, right? If you And we've debated before. I've debated Matt Gates before on television. I, I don't understand why he debates me. I, I have encouraged members of Congress never to debate people like me, whether they are Republican or a Democrat. And there's a Republican congressman that I've had this conversation with, two of them. I said... Don't ever, I, don't ever say yes to a debate with me because I'm going to try to score a point on you and I'm going to use your record against you. And I would think that any other pundit worth their salt, left or right, would do the same thing to a member of Congress. If there's something to hold them accountable for and you have any sense of self-worth as a pundit, you are going to hold them accountable. And I was going to hold him accountable for that stunt he proved, which I feel may have cost people's lives, frankly. Definitely their health. And the first death from COVID-19 in Florida was in Matt Gates's district. How does he feel about that now? He's try, He tried to pass those. Oh, I was trying to make a commentary about how members of Congress work in these dirty conditions. He's, I mean, really, Matt? Why don't you just say you're sorry and spend the rest of your career, and by the way, it's going to be a short career. I don't know if he's going to get knocked out this year because... Who knows if people are going to be able to vote? But he's going to get knocked out. That clip of him with that gas mask will be played in every competitive congressional election this year. Every single one of them. None of his colleagues in the House of Representatives, at least on the Republican side, are going to want anything to do with him. The Democrats don't want anything to do with him anyway. I mean, he's going to cost them any chance at the majority. But he should be spending the rest of his career, his short career, repenting for what he did and trying to make it right. Not putting out bills he knows will never get passed. By the way, he can't get anything passed because Republicans don't want to work with him and Democrats don't want to work with him. He's done. Done. That's why I said bye-bye, Matt, when I did that debate. And, you know, Laura Ingram brought up, you know, we were talking about Wisconsin and, of course, I was outraged by Wisconsin and felt that they could have postponed the election or come up with some other absentee ballot scheme to let people vote in Wisconsin. And she's like, you know, if a Republican governor tried the same thing, you would be going nuts, Chris. And I said, no, a Republican governor governor did the same exact thing, Mike DeWine of Ohio, and he was 100% correct for doing it. It was the right thing to do. In fact, the other three states should have done the same thing that day. Postpone the primary. Give people a chance to fight this virus. What we saw in Wisconsin was a travesty, and it can't happen in November across this country. We've got to find a way to make sure that every American can vote safely 
and without any fear of contracting or spreading this virus. And I don't think we're going to be in a place where we have, uh, you know, where we have antibody testing so people really know at least widespread antibody testing so that anybody in the public can get a test like the president promised on March 6th but still hasn't delivered on. And I don't think we're going to have a vaccine by then. Probably not going to have a vaccine for at least a year. And then you got to distribute that vaccine. So it's going to be a while. We've got to make sure people can vote. Very important. I mean, I know I talk about it. I feel like I talk about it every week, but I think it's the most important thing that we can talk about. Look, I want to thank everybody again for listening to this podcast and making it a success. Season two is going to launch on uh, April 28th. I'm still going to be putting out fresh podcasts between now and then. Please follow me on Twitter at Christopher Hahn and please tell a friend about this podcast. If you like it, please make sure you tell your friends about it. And I got to remind you now, as always, to seek the truth. Question everyone and everything, America, even me. Seek the truth. I know it's out there. I know sometimes it's hard to find, but it's surely out there. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details.